happening party people it is that time it's time Ooh, it's time it's time to have some fun folks that's right so uh here we go it is uh this is talking during movies the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation or in a solo podcast you get to listen to me ramble and go fucking crazy and i love it i love these solo podcasts and we are in a series a beautiful series, shitty summer sequels. It's not that they were a sequel in the summertime, it's that it is summertime and these are shit sequels. So maybe it's summertime, shit sequels, hammer time. We never really did figure this out, did we? Never got a lot of feedback from you guys. So, say so you get in touch at Talking During Movies on Instagram, Talking During Movies Podcast at gmail.com, at Talk During Movie on Twitter. So there you go, there it is. And what's today's movie? What could it possibly be? Oh, I didn't even know this movie existed, folks. So when I saw it, I thought maybe it was a joke, but it wasn't. It is, uh, well, it's greatness redefined. And we're going to go down some, we're going to go down some alleyways. We're going to, we're going to look into some things. We're having a lot of fun here. But to the movie at hand, the beautiful movie at hand. Do you all remember Backdraft, that firefighter film? That, you know, we're going to look, did firefighters like Backdraft? Did they find it realistic? Did they enjoy it in any way, shape, or form? Well, hang on to your socks, kids. Get ready. Because we've got an old Backdraft 2. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know about it, did you? And kicking us off to power us through Backdraft 2, to get us going, we have my friends at Four Corners. That's right. we got the old El Jugon. 7.3 alcohol, 72 IBU. 16.5 plateau, 360 pop top. Now this is the jam right here. Hold on, let's crack it open. Get into some ripping off the top pop top beers. These are the jam. They're the absolute best, folks. Listen, I, I, I cannot hype this enough. The cool factor of ripping the whole top of a beer can off to drink the beer is so much fun. It's just, it's great. So, as we go into Backdraft 2, and if you guys are wondering, what's this about? If you guessed Fighting Fires, you're correct. You're 100% correct. Now, will we have sex on a fire truck in Backdraft 2? I don't know. We're going to find out. Will there be some bike riding to a fire scene because you don't have your car? Mm, I don't know. We're going to find out. Will there be a necessary slow motion fire play and maybe a bald one? and perhaps Donald Sutherland, 100% there will be those guys. 100% there will be slow motion fireplay. 100% there will be a person 
our main character just taking it to the streets, just loving life, just having fun, just not knowing what to do. He's, he's just, he's so challenged in life. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, and these are, you know, these are the, um, the movies that, uh, that really power you really, they, they really empower you to be like, Oh, you know, I didn't know if I want to be a fireman with backdraft, but now that I now, now that we got it going on with backdraft to hundred percent, I want to be a fireman. Right. So Donald Sutherland is still the crazy guy, you know, who loves fires. Billy, uh, William Baldwin is Brian Magby, right? He's uh, the brother of one of the other Baldwin brothers that died in it. Uh, you've got, you've got a great, great cast here. Uh, Dominic Mopham, you've got Alistair McKenzie, Patrick Wallace, who's Dylan. I mean, you've got Joe Anderson, who is Sean McAfee. He is the son of, of Bull, the man who died, and he's a fire investigator. This is just, listen, Joe Anderson and, uh, and Alicia Bailey in Backdraft 2. Yeah, that's right. Backdraft 2. I'm going to just let, I just want to really let that soak in, that they made another one of these. And... It just four four out of ten on the old IMDb, um, one out of five on Common Sense Media, right? It's I think it and I believe it went direct to video, right? So, fire investigator with Chicago Fire Department tracks an arms dealer who uses deadly fires as a distraction to move arms out of the city. You gotta love it. What they've done is they've taken backdraft, they've removed arsonists, and they've brought in terrorizers. They brought in the terrorizers. So what they did is they took out the arson people. They left the fires and they brought in the terrorizers. Uh huh. And you gotta you gotta open it up with a fire. Listen, this is a fire film. So when you have a fire film, you open with fire. And you open with fire, you gotta have someone die. You gotta, you gotta have someone die. So this is where we're at. There's a building caught on fire. A young lady died in her bed. And this is where the investigator comes. He's like, man, you know, it's very weird. She was laying right in the, you know, everything he broke down, by the way, it, if I ever die, someone that knows me is going to be just hung up for murder. He's like, no one falls asleep in the middle of a king size bed. They pick a side and they sleep on it. Yeah. If someone else is home, but you know, like when my wife and kid are gone, where do I sleep? Middle of the bed, lay right in the middle. It's the best. You got pillows around you, just flop down, turn the TV on, flop yourself up a little bit, but you are right in the middle of the bed. So that is bullshit. And he did find out that this young punk drugged her as he tried to kill her. He's a very rough fire detective. You know, they're, they're, all these shows, it's pretty amazing. We're going to get into this back. Oh, they just did it. Backdraft 2. Black, white font. It's just, it's that plain. Hold on. Drinky time. Already drink, Jason? Yeah. Okay, listen, this is, I'm excited. I'm burning up over here. So, ah. Uh, so one of the things I find fascinating, right? Here he is. He's a he's an arson investigator. He's got to go in and check out and see what's going on. But then he'll also he carries a gun. You know, he just broke down the case to a young man like a district attorney. Then he, as the man tried to run away, he kicked him in the knee, knocked him down, and cuffed him. Is there is there anything this guy doesn't do? He can arrest you. He can shoot you. He can tell you. Who started the fire? In case anyone's wondering, we know we didn't, but he can tell you who started the fire. And he still likes to wear his father's jacket that's a little too big for him with bull written on the back. And he's going to solve some crimes as well. And he's probably, I don't know, maybe on the side, he's going to be an attorney. 
maybe a district attorney halfway through this. Who knows? But it's fucking ridiculous. So in this ridiculousness, we're, we're going to go down a couple of things as well, folks, right? So we've got a ridiculous movie like we didn't you know we didn't need major league two we already know what happened we didn't need backdraft two all right the fact that you've just got a, a guy's son in here that doesn't mean anything to me it's bullshit right and it's just and i mean even the even the poster backdraft two mm-hmm get ready it's just him kind of looks like he's on fire yeah and then he's got um bull and what looks like chalk written on the back there but he's just, you know, he's a young troublemaker and he's just, he's looking to make his way in the world. And in making his way in the world, he's finding out that uh, politics are the way to go. And just like his dad, he's not a politician, man. He's a fighter. He's a fighter and people keep writing him up because he's doing shit. He should, listen, find out where the fucking fire started and stop. There's your job. Beginning and end. You walk in. Ooh, look, a little fire. Where'd it start? Over here. Get out. Get back in your fancy truck. Go drive to another place that started a fire, right? You know, it's, it's like the ballistics person arresting people and also, you know, picking lotto numbers for strangers. OK, that's not how this shit works. There's a, there's designation and command. And the fact that you assholes don't know anything about that blows my mind. And he is sloppily dressed. All the firemen that and women that I've ever seen are very dressed on point. And this guy's got a dirty shirt over a dirty shirt with sunglasses. It's not buttoned up all the way. He's not clean shaven. He's not even really even around the beard clean shaven his hair is still slightly disheveled everywhere it's not even the messy look it's the i haven't slept yet look you've got to assume his breath is awful and he still smells like the smoke from last night's fire because he didn't sleep because he was too busy solving other crimes like he's the mix of a fireman and a superhero is that a superhero is there someone out there that's the mix of a fireman and a superhero that would be amazing if that was true so one of the things we're going to look at as we go through this movie, right, is we're going to look at some of the top arsonists that you probably don't know. And there's a curveball for the top arsonist out there. One of the top arsonists of the U.S. You're never going to guess who it is, but I can tell you right now, it's going to blow your freaking mind wide fucking open. Kaboom. Hang on. And also he's got, uh, you know, he's um, we've got the top 10 fires. Which, I'm, which I find fascinating, right? So you've got two things going on here, right? You have, you have um, the top arsonists, right? You also have, you know, so the people who are the, the best, you know, the 10 most famous arsonists and why. And then also we're going to look at, because I found, you wouldn't believe what I found, you guys. I'm so excited. So there is a magazine called firehouse.com. Firehouse.com. And firehouse.com had in it a forum and one of the forums that it, that it was looking at was, hey, you guys, remember Backdraft? Did you like it? Do you like Backdraft? Fucking crazy. So there's, there one, I, I mean, I can't believe there's a fireman's magazine. But two, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's that they had a forum about Backdraft is even more amazing. Was there a Backdraft television show? I want to say there was. So here we are where it's, um, it's Halloween. This is what kind of gets everything going, right? We had one fire. We figured out who it was instantly thanks to our detective arsonist super guy. Now we've got a second one and you know it's a fire coming up. You got these kids. It's trick-or-treating. It's Halloween. He's about to open the door. They're like, open the door, Tommy. Open the door. And you see the smoke go out and suck back in and you got six dead kids now or five dead kids. Five or six. I couldn't count that fast. But they're all dead. And that that is what is going to kick off this movie is, unfortunately, dead children. And he's slop. 
eats in one of these old shitty diners. And we're going to get introduced to our good friend, Billy Baldwin. Right? Old William Baldwin coming in being like, hey, <laughs> you know, uh, your dad, uh, it was his jacket. Yeah, well, he's my dad and I like to wear it. Well, he was my brother. You know, just bullshit stuff happening. You know, family stuff. So let's get into, let's first, let's go back to Backdraft. Let's go to Firehouse.com, the Fireman's publication and let's read what they thought about backdraft and you're going to be amazed at how excited these guys were about backdraft hold on one second beer's so so delicious and good all right so here the form is the movie backdraft what did you all think hey guys i was wondering uh what you guys thought about the movie backdraft in all caps some parts didn't seem too accurate but that's hollywood for you let me know what you think. P.S. How do you explain juniors who didn't drive to get to calls? Let me know. Thanks. And this is from Jeremy of the Truxton Volunteer Fire Department. So I like this. A volunteer fireman starts this forum, gets it all kicked off, and now we're ready to rock and roll. Let's, let's see. To answer, here we go. We've got Fire Cadet Tack. <coughs> There's a good burp for you. Goodness. To answer your first question, I thought Backdraft was a pretty good movie. Secondly, we had a one FF cadet who didn't have his own vehicle, and he got when he, he got to calls by having his dad drive him. He's gotten his own vehicle since. Mm, silly. All right, we got another guy. Uh, Backdraft is the greatest movie ever, ever in all caps. How do I how do I get to calls? There's a firefight, firefighter across the street. I get a ride with him. If he isn't home, a fireman lives behind me. If he isn't home, I ride my bike. I have um, I have good clothes on and it's muddy out, out of something like that. I run even though it sucks, but I am dedicated, so it's awesome. Damn, you guys are crazy. Backdraft is one of the greatest movies out there. It's definitely one of my favorites. How do I get to the FD? As soon as I can drive, but for now, ask my mom or dad for a ride. <laughs> ride my bike mainly during the summer. The FD, the fire department, isn't too far, and it's great exercise. Hey, sometimes they even beat the guys, although they're calling me Bike One. Hey, Backdraft is cool. How I get there? Bike all the way. Best thing ever. It's about a three-minute car ride, 0.7 miles, and five-minute bike ride going 14 miles per hour. If I'm going as fast as I can and I'm ready to leave, I can make it in three. Have made it in two coming home. I have lights and, I have lights and all on my bike. Whatever I can do to get there, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, it all works for me, um, and hey, I even when I get a car with all the stop signs and potholes, the old ladies on the road, biking might still be the best way to go. I don't know where these people are at where biking is your best option. That's fucking crazy. That is absolutely nuts. Uh, by the way, our, our, uh, our, our Bull Jr. is what I'm just going to call him for the rest of the film. Our McAfee, our Bull Jr., he's got a new partner, and his new partner's got one rule. Mind your business. Stay quiet. And while you're minding your business and staying quiet, you're going to learn from me, the expert. And I'm going to find out where the sources are for this fire that killed these kids. Uh-huh. 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 We're getting back to back. Oh, I got another drink, man. Thirsty as all hell tonight. Never asked. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. I know I did. I want to thank you for replying. I did have a good 4th of July. Backdraft is awesome. I'd say it's my favorite movie, says Colonel Firegal11. I have seen it so many times, I have practically worn out my copy of it. Oh, and one more thing. You go, we go. Thanks, Courtney. Smoke and Flames chimes in with, I've got, 
I've got to pipe up on this one. I love backdraft. Despite its inaccuracies, the best part is the first call where the old trucks have the cues. It's great. It's not a fire truck without a cue just for drivers got your way like on all the time. And I'm 15 minutes from the pager going off till I get to the station, assuming I'm at home and asleep. Ooh, okay. Now, NJ Outlaw 6. I thought Backdraft was good, but Ron Howard really stretched the truth. I mean, come on. FFs with wide open coats, no SCBA. I mean, come on. You make, you make it look like we're gods or something. Yeeks. That's Thomas Parsons, Protection Engine 6. In this line of work, fear is no choice. Views that are posted are not to be held against the South Amboy Fire Department. They are my personal opinions. I mean, damn, he really got into it. Oh, my goodness. Now, Lieutenant Spiney, we're going to read a couple more of these. We'll get back to the movie, folks. Lieutenant Spiney, Ron Howard glamorized firefighting, which to the layperson does make firefighters look like gods or just incredibly stupid. I think the movie is funny. We use lines from it all the time at the firehouse. Can you imagine being at the firehouse, just, just, just cutting backdraft lines back and forth? Jeez. As far as the firefighting goes, it shows what not to do. Don't get me wrong. I like the movie and the storyline, but it's hard to enjoy a movie that you're always picking apart. I don't think you'll ever really see an accurate firefighting flick. Uh, excuse me, sir. Backdraft too. Let's face it, gang. Unless they film it with thermal images, you won't be able to see anything. Something about all that smoke. Take care, stay safe, and stay the slow. Stay low, Lieutenant Spiney. Lieutenant Spiney just coming in with stuff, man. You know, um, Explore Cribs, the Central Fire Station, number seven. Fighting Engine, Company 701. You light them, we'll fight them. Huh, I love the movie. The best part? is on top of the fire truck. What? Are you talking about that sex scene, son? I think you are. And the way I get to the firehouse is one, my dad, he is the lieutenant. One, the, de the deputy. Two, my bike. And sometimes I walk and I'm the first one there. I kind of live right next to the firehouse. Okay, well, you're a child, I think. Let's do uh, two more here. I agree with Flame F. Towering Inferno is a good movie. I was going to mention it before but it was made a while ago if you can find it in the movie store go get it Ooh, towering inferno i mean there's what flame F flame five says right flame five is like no i'm sorry i disagree do any of you guys remember towering inferno now that's a movie now i know some of you were not even born yet but i recommend renting it steve mcqueen rules and finally firefighter 2197 the best movie around is backdraft when it when it can't when it when it came out, excuse me, when it came out, when it came out, the local movie theater called us and asked us to bring a truck out so it would draw attention. This person can't fucking spell to save their lives. We'll draw attention and get some great PR for the department. And I'm a firefighter. So, oh, geez. So either I drove my truck or I ride the shiny white fire trucks with the blue stripe down the side. If you don't believe me about the color, go to the site, skylandfire.com and click on apparatus 2197 over and out there's a couple more pages of this left i can't handle all the typos i don't think there's a spelling bee when it comes to uh the wonderful world of um, being a firefighter and that's okay i'm not a great speller either however um either is pretty easy to spell so is came 
Uh, yeah, you know, there's a couple other ones that I, that I think we could probably throw in there that made reading those a little bit difficult, but that's okay. You know, you, you got to get after it. You got you to understand what's going on. Oh, drinky time. And backdraft is uh, drinky time. Backdraft 2 is a little more serious, right? Because we're, we're dealing with an arsonist, right? Donald Sutherland. You're dealing with a bad guy, and that's okay. But in this one, what they don't know, but what you and I know, because we're super intelligent, is they're dealing with a terrorizer trying to move paraphernalia, illegal arms, out of Chicago. Which is weird. It's Chicago. This was just made. This came out in 2019. I don't even think it touched a theater. For sure didn't touch one in Chicago. But who's moving arms out of Chicago? Chicago is the most violent city in North America. There are people being shot there right now. If anything, they're only bringing arms into Chicago. They aren't moving arms out of Chicago. Trust me, okay? They are just doing what they do, which is arms into Chicago, all right? Anyone who takes a missile launcher or, or a gun or gasoline or anything that has any propensity towards violence and moves it out of Chicago, let me tell you, you're going the wrong way, right? Trust me, there's someone in Chicago that wants to buy that from you. There's someone that thinks that that's a really neat toy, that, that anything that you have is, is absolutely amazing and they want all of it. Absolutely, positively, all of it. I find this fascinating. This guy, he, he, uh, he, well, one, he finds a stray dog. Bull finds a stray dog, and it's a, it's a terrier. It's like a, it's like a collie, collie terrier mix, and he's already scared of it. You know, he, um, he lives in what looks like a warehouse. I mean, he just kind of parks wherever he wants to, but he's got this warehouse and his little study room with his red leather chair. Only firemen can really do the red the red leather chair because that's that's what it's about. It's a red leather chair. He's got a TV with pictures all around and this is the one of the worst decorated warehouses I've, I've ever seen. He just and he only wears his fire gear. He's got his jacket, he's got his gun. You gotta have your gun, right? You gotta have a little pistolet if you're a fire person, fireman or woman, I don't want to assume your gender in um, in attacking these blazes for cheesy. So as we are going to try to figure out what's happening in the world, and here, classic fireman, classic fireman, sit on your red chair, there you go, big guy, pop that beer open by taking that uh, pop top and using the edge of your coffee table and banging that off. That's going to be a nice coffee table. You keep that around. Did not get that coffee table from Ikea. Probably welded that together yourself, that's for sure. Hold on, drink, and then we got to get into something good. Hold on. So one of the things, he's dreaming about fire, in case you're wondering. In case you're wondering, Jason, before you go off on a tangent, what's happening? It's like he lit his room on fire, he's just dreaming about fire. There's some, there's some passion that he has for fire that they just won't let us know about. But he's, he's got some lust for the flame. And, he's just, and he won't stop doing his research. He won't stop. He just, he's, he's, he's an educator, man. He, well, he's, he, loves, he loves to educate himself. He's got a lot of a lot of things going on. God knows what he's doing, trying to trying to replicate this fire. That's why he lives in a warehouse. That's why he's your number one fire investigator, even with his shit attitude. Because that's right, he lives in a warehouse and he can play and experiment and do what he wants. So as he's playing and experimenting and really trying to figure out and build 
from memory the um, the draft shaft that he believes the arsonist used to get everything going and, and blow it out. Let's look at some arsonists. Let's look at some people in the fire scene, right? So, you know, the most these are the ten famous arsonists, and they're and it's why they're famous. And we're really going to break this down because listen, there's some slow parts to this movie, folks. All right, don't. Don't trip. All right, hold on. I want to watch him blow the circuit breaker one more time. He's trying to figure out how this fire happened, and he just, he just cannot figure it out. It's not moving. The flames aren't moving the way he wants them to. So, number one in our top ten famous arsonists, and these are, I'm assuming, in no particular order. But let's assume that there's no particular order. John Orr. John Orr was a former fire captain and arson investigator, just like our friend from Backdraft here, for the Glendale Fire Department in Southern California, and to much surprise, a serial arsonist. You should see the picture of him. He looks like a serial mustache guy. Oh my, he, lo he looks like Ron Jeremy in a fire outfit. During the 80s and early 90s, there were a series of fires around LA that were going unsolved. Investigators noticed that the fires were started in areas next to major highways. And ironically, while arson investi investigation conventions were going on nearby. During, <laughs> during, the, during the investigations, police discovered an important piece of information. A fingerprint on a time delay incendiary device from the 1987 fire in Fresno, California. The fingerprint was linked to arson investigator John Orr. In addition to the fingerprint evidence and seized accelerating devices belonging to Orr, there was an earlier incident that sparked suspicion. Orr was one of the arson investigators assigned to the 1984 Pasadena fire that destroyed a hardware store, killing four people. All of the arson investigators agreed that the cause was an electrical fire, but Orr insisted that it was arson. Orr was convicted and charged with three counts of arson is currently serving life in prison. One, I hope in prison they made him shave off that goofy mustache. He looks ridiculous. Two, he killed four fucking people? Good night, Irene. Four people? That's crazy. Four people? Hell no. No way. Hold on. I can't, you know, I, I wish I could get into the psychology. Of, of what makes someone tick, right? Or, or why they would break down and, and, and do these awful, awful, awful things. And I don't, I don't understand that the passion for the fire, right? It's like the passion of the Christ, but it's the passion of the fire. John Orr liked it so much. I mean, who knows? But he definitely went after it. That's for sure. So past John Orr, number two on their list is Paul Keller. He is one of the most notorious serial arsonists in American history. This Seattle man... How hard is it in Seattle to start a fire? It rains all the time there. Do you know how good you have to be? You have to be an Eagle Scout of starting fires to understand how to start a fire in Seattle, Washington, when all it does is fucking rain there. So in Seattle, man is responsible for at least 70 fires and three deaths in and around the Seattle area during the 80s and 90s. With unsolved cases even popping up in recent years, this polished-looking advertising salesman an active churchgoer, well, there's your two problems, right? Active salesman, advertising, getting out there, boogie and shaking his tushy, and he, and he goes to church all the time, was ruthlessly setting fires to homes, churches, shocker, probably gay, businesses throughout four counties. And I'm not saying gay is a bad thing. I'm saying that he's repressed. The church didn't help him. 
let's just get, let me clear that up really quick, right? It's not, listen, the church in the 80s and 90s, even the church today is not, it likes to have people repress things. And my assumption is, is that in this overall repression, in this rage, it's coming out in fires. That's why it's burning churches and homes and businesses throughout four counties, making this one of the worst serial arson cases in state history and U.S. history. In 1993, Keller was found guilty and sentenced to 99 years in prison. Ooh, 70 fires over 20 years, maybe a little less than 20 years, right? 80 to, it says 80s and 90s. Let's say it could have been just 10 years, right? It doesn't have to be in a, I mean, but that's just 99 years in prison. Seattle, Washington, once again, champion for starting fires in rainy country. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give him that. I'm going to right away take away the fact that, you know, he, he, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give him the hard pause of churchgoer. He had to have some weird sexual repression or something going on in his brain that the church told him to shut it up, keep it down, don't do anything about it. If you try anything, you know, uh, Jesus is going to come in at night and he's going to supergle your butthole together. And then that's in Deuteronomy 4.17. That's what he does, right? He, he swoops down. And he just super glows buttholes if you're doing something wrong. And you can never poop and then you die because you get infected on the inside. Deuteronomy 4.12. Read about it. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. All right. So he probably had something like that going on. Advertising salesperson, you know, I'm sure he was really good at really hot sales. Get it? Okay. Horrible joke. Here we go. Julio Gonzalez. Julio Gonzalez, a Cuban immigrant, was responsible for setting fire to the Happy Land nightclub in the Bronx, New York, in 1990, which, oh my God, Julio. I can see why you're number three. You killed 87 people. The night of the fire, Gonzalez was thrown out of the Happy Land after getting into a fight with his girlfriend who worked there. Gonzalez returned to the nightclub intoxicated and poured a can of gasoline along the club's only stairway and started the fire. Most victims were trampled or suffered from asphyxiation. Gonzalez was charged with 174 counts of murder. 87 people died. He was charged with 174 counts of murder and sentenced to 25 years. I don't understand if 87, which it killed 87 people, but he was charged with 174 counts of murder. I don't do that math. I don't understand that math. These are, these are not math. I'm not good at math. Um, I'm not a math whiz. You know, I can barely speak sometimes. I definitely have a horrible memory. Uh, and I'm not a math whiz, so I don't know how that works out. Maybe we should talk to a cop one day. What do you think? Let's try it. Hold on. Let me finish off this beer. I'll read a couple more, and then we'll... I got to grab another one. Got to grab a, a Frosty Pop. All right, Mark Thompson in 2002. Hey, here we go. Jason, seriously, man, just reading shit. I'm glad, but man, talk over the movie. What's going on in the movie? Well, first of all, the motherfucker's on a date, A. He's trying to get some information out of this girl. This girl's trying to get information out of him. There's no Tinder going on in Chicago because you can get shot. But let's bring it back to the movie because Mark Thompson, he's a Chicago investment executive. Internationally set fire to his two-story home to collect $730,000 in insurance money. Thompson, who was apparently short on money to support his high-profile lifestyle, used his 90-year-old mother to make it appear like she set the fire to kill herself. Dude, that's fucked up. Not only do you not like your mom, but you're trying to get $730,000 for the life of your mom? Dude, you can't put a price on life, and your mom couldn't have been that bad. 
Thompson put his mother in the basement, spread um, lacquer thinner on the walls, and set the fire where she later died. He received 600000 in insurance money, not even the seven hundred and thirty. And his mother's death was ruled suicide until investigators took a closer look at Thompson's finances and extreme debt. After a number of suspicious money transactions and identity covers, Thompson declared bankruptcy. Thompson was tried in federal court, was proven guilty, and sentenced to 190 years in federal prison. So this guy stole money. Now, here's the funny thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing about life, right? He stole money. So he stole money from people and he killed a person. Now, I don't know how influential this lady was, how, uh, you know, how influential Mark with a C, by the way, you fuck yourself, Mark with a C. It's like Jeff with a G. Seriously, Mark with a C, you killed your mom, you're a piece of shit. But you, more importantly, you stole money from an insurance company. That's going to get you 190 years in federal prison. You stole money. It's amazing how little we value life, but if you steal from a corporation, if you take their insight, their investment, their strategy, their ideas, their direction, if you steal anything from them, not only did you start the fire and burn the house down, right? So you burned a house down, but you stole money. Man, and money, you know, God makes the world go round. You're like, God, yeah, guns, oil, drugs, which are all powered by money. Right, because you got to have money to buy all of them. So you've you've got you've got the Milky Way, that's your money, and you got God, guns, oil, drugs, man. That, you want to talk about your false idols? You want to talk about going crazy? Go with it. Go look at all our politicians. All, every one of our politicians believe in God. But when they say they're praying to God Almighty and God, please protect America and God do this and God do that, make God bless America. That's guns, oil, and drugs. That's God for you, okay? Guns, oil, drugs. That's what it is. So just remember that. And Mark Thompson, trust me, he knows that. You got a guy who killed uh, 84 people, got 99 years. He killed a person, but took $600,000. And that's right, a lot more money, a lot more, a lot more years, 190 years in federal prison. Top that, son. Top that. Hey, and jumping back to the movie, how do you stop a perpetrator when they're getting away if you're a fire person? I'm going to tell you what you do. You use your hose. You take your hose. Thank you for the beer. You take your hose and you hit them in the legs when they're trying to run away. And then when they run up, they try to jump out of a window. Ho, ho. You smack them against the wall and you make sure that they hurt because they made you run in your heavy fireman jacket. That's what you do. This guy's bleeding. He's saying, I got hired. I got hired to burn this. This is what I do. I burn buildings down in Chicago. Ain't no, ain't no money here. Only violence and appropriating the things that I don't like to do. Hold on. I just got handed a beer. <laughs> Yummy in your mouth. It's so amazing. It's in your mouth. Oh, let's get that lid off. There we go. Ripping the whole top off again. We're going two. We're going back to back four corners, man. You got to. Right? You, you got to. His, um, his partner, Henning, she's investigating and she's actually having a conversation. Let me have a drink of this cold beer. Hold on a second. Mmm. So good. I'm gonna like those second breaks. You know, there's always someone brand new to the pocket. Like, why is it so quiet? They turn it up and then there's just bellowing. You're like, fuck. All right, so number five is um, Elf. I know what you're thinking. Really? An elf? No. The Earth Liberation Front. 
They are known for using fire to spread their message against exploitation and destruction of the environment. So you're going to burn shit down to let us know that we're burning shit down in a different way. That is absolutely amazing. Oh, here's our first visit from Donald Sutherland. But we're talking about crazy. We're talking about people who are burning shit to let you know not to destroy shit. And here's Donald Sutherland right here. He's our man. You know, um, he's from the first back draft. He's back and he looks fantastic. He's got, looks like a catheter. Uh, he's just in a little bit of a robe. His hair is disheveled and a mess. He's for sure not wearing makeup today. And he's got his crazy look and he's talking about how he and the, and the you know, McAfee are, 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 are uh, McAfee are brothers from different mothers because they both love fire. You know, and let me give you some clues. And he's playing crazy up well. Donald, you do, you do crazy well. Let's get back to the other crazy people. You know, that uh, the eco-terrorist group named Elf has caused millions of dollars in damage by setting fires around the world. In 1998, Elf caused $12 million in damage at, at Vail, Colorado by setting fire to part of the ski resort. Elf announced that they set fire to the Vail because it planned to expand, which would ruin a sacred lynx habitat in the state. This particular act of arson drew national attention and remains one of the top domestic terror threats in the U.S. The elves, part of Elf, Earth Liberation Front, also torched some 30 SUVs at an Oregon dealership. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's Oregon and they're fucking crazy in Oregon. In addition to burning down a five-story, 206-unit condo project in San Diego. Jesus, guys. Take it easy, will you? San Diego. You know, every time you're talking about protecting Mother Earth, every time you light one of these fires, it's just pollution in the air, you fucks. As well as several laboratories, uh, multi-million dollar homes, excavators, and much more. Many of the elf ar arsonists were arrested and served or are still serving jail time. They haven't stolen any money, so they're probably going to be out soon. The old elf logo is a, um, is a single-barreled gun. It's an elf, but he's got really big, like, modern bullets all around him or her. And the crazy, all in green, you know, the crazy shoes, all the bullshit, all the absolute bullshit. But, you've got, I mean, so we're destroying the earth <clears throat> according to the according to the Earth Liberation Front, right? We're destroying the Earth. And so what are we going to do because we're destroying the Earth? I'm going to burn really toxic shit, put it on fire. Do you think those SUVs, you know, they're, they're just going to burn clean? You know, it's a clean burn. It's a natural clean burn, you dumb fucks. What about the 206-unit condo building? What kind of toxic, fucked-up shit chemicals do you think, A, are in that building that are burning and burning hot, and B, that, so that's going into the environment, into the air that everyone's breathing. And then B, what's the fire department going to use to put that out? You're just going to use some water? Just regular old H2O? No, man, they got to drop some chemicals and they got to do some other shit. What does that do to the ground? And where does that go? It, you know, gets into the sewer system. It goes into our water table and then it fucks things up more. Hey, Elf, here's a tip from me to you. Just in case you're wondering, if you're listening and going, oh, I wonder what we should do here. Let me tell you, stop setting shit on fire, okay? You're making it more toxic. You're killing your tree friends. You're killing your grass friends. You're killing your water friends. You're killing it all. You're, you're lighting this shit on fire. You're going crazy. You're burning shit down in Vail. What if that fire would have taken off and burned down your cute little lynx habitat, you dumb fucks? You ever think about that? You didn't think about that, did you? 
You just thought we have to show. If you want to stop burning stuff, if you want to make a protest a protest, if you want to do something right, here's an idea. Go Willard. Go all seven shades of fucking Willard and learn how to talk to rats and have them take over New York City. Become... Go swamp thing, right? I mean, get engaged with nature to such a point that nature loves you so much when you snap your fingers, a tree grows a limb and just strangles a politician or an oil baron, just fucks him right up. Get there. Stop burning shit that you're just cooking, you're making the earth hotter, you're burning hot chemicals and you're fucking everything up, not just for, for everyone around there, but every the, the environment. The environment, you're so pledged to change, you little weird bastards. So think about it. Stop, don't poison shit. Don't burn shit. You know, there's other ways to do it. Go bow and arrow. Go bow and arrow and start taking out politicians and executives that are um, that are batshit crazy and that are killing the environment. All right? Just go bow and arrow. If you can get close and get in with a bow and arrow, I applaud you. Good job. Okay? I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're such a Marx person. And if anyone doesn't understand or hear the sarcasm in my voice, you need to calm the fuck down. For sure. All right? Fire Marshal Bill would tell you that your burning of what you're burning and what you're doing is absolute, utter, 110% bullshit. Stop your nonsense. Seriously, stop your nonsense. It doesn't make any sense to start burning and lighting shit on fire in an effort to let everyone know that we're destroying the earth when you're help, you're, you're propagating, you're pushing it farther and faster and harder than anyone who's just driving the SUV. That paint, do you think that paint just naturally burns off? No. Well, what about those plastics in there? What about that oil? What about those tires? You, just, you can't even just put a tire fire out, man. Tires, tire fires are crazy hard to put out. Oh, mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Hey, look at the dog. Went from a stray, and I don't know what it is, to it's getting in the truck and riding around with him. That's what I'm talking about. He doesn't leave him in the truck. He lets him go everywhere with him. It's a good dog. He's going to go uh, investigate again after talking to crazy Donald Sutherland and find out if what the info that Donald gave him is correct. And I believe it's going to be. Let's go to number six out of ten. Terry Barton. And that's T-E-R-R-Y. Which is, I mean, usually it's a Terry with an I is a lady. Terry with a Y is a guy. That rhymes. A love letter went terribly wrong in 2002 in the 2002 case of Terry Barton. A U.S. Forest Service worker, uh-oh, who burned a letter from her estranged husband, which caused a massive wildfire that burned 138,000 acres outside of Denver and destroyed more than 100 homes. Investigators found the remnants of some of the burned matches and letter mailed to Barton, who called in the fire and later admitted to starting it. Barton pleaded guilty to arson was sentenced to six years in federal prison and was ordered to reimburse the federal government $14.6 million. They didn't get that money. Also, I don't really consider that arson. Listen, I consider you to be a dummy to go out in the woods to start a fire. I consider you to be a dummy that you just can't rip up a letter. You've got to light it on fire. And you did such a shitty job lighting it on fire that it didn't even burn the whole letter up. Instead, you couldn't figure out how to light a letter on. You couldn't. You're not an arsonist if your letter doesn't catch on fire, but 138,000 acres does. If all you can do is burn everything around you, but the one thing you wanted to burn, you're a prebubescent fucking weirdo, okay? You can't figure out what... You can't do what? 
just put it in a little tin and you drop the match and add a little gasoline if you want. Take a shit on it. Who cares? But you, there's no way that the firemen and women came back to that location where the fire started and there were remnants of the letter and matches there that you started the fire with. That's how shitty you are at starting fires. That's how bad you are at lighting matches. You should really, really consider only using electric heat, electric stoves, electric everything, microwave included, never having gas, never having charcoal or anything else. Because there's one thing we know, you literally cannot start the fire and get it going and burn the things you want to burn. Now, you can let a fire go out of control. You got that base covered. But you can't do the fire. You couldn't light the, and finish the fire of the one thing you wanted. How powerful was that letter? What did that letter from that estranged husband have to say that it wouldn't even burn? It was, what did it just scar your soul? Was it just impacted with so much, so much hate and just anger from this estranged husband, this letter that you read it again and it just, it, it held so much that it wouldn't burn? That's the emotion that it had? Get the fuck out of here. Stop your nonsense. Come on idiot sorry but seriously that's a dummy move terry with a y should be spelled with an i as far as i'm concerned how about ray i'm at number seven raymond lee oiler raymond lee i'm just calling raymond raymond lee was arrested and charged with murder during the 2006 esperanza wildfire that destroyed 40,000 acres nowhere near terry barton's 138 who also didn't couldn't finish out a, a fucking letter Across the San Jacinto Mountains, this deadly fire was caused by arson and worsened when Santa Ana Devil Winds picked it up. Firefighters were killed while defending, that sucks, a vacant home that was destroyed by the fire. You know, uh, Raymond was arrested for the Esperanza fire as well as two wildfires in the summer of 2006. He was convicted of five counts of first-degree murder, 20 counts of arson, 17 counts of using an incendiary device, in which a jury called for the death penalty in the 2009 hearing. And good for them. Call for that death penalty. He killed a lot of people. He's a piece of shit, and he's just lighting shit on fire to light shit on fire. That's a dick move. And the Santa Ana winds are a real thing. You can call them devil winds. You can call them whatever you want, all right? It's craziness. It's blowing hot. It's blowing hard. It's blowing out of fucking control. You got to be careful, folks. If you're in Southern California, anywhere in Southern California, there's two things you should not be allowed to have. Matches and lighters. All right? You shouldn't. They, the smoking should all be those vape pens. It shouldn't be anything. You shouldn't be able to light a cigarette. Should, everything should be a vape pen. You shouldn't be able to light candles. All right? They should all be plug-in or battery-operated candles. should be no, no way to start a fire, especially when it's Santa Ana wind season. It just shouldn't happen. And if you're caught with matches, it's like getting caught with chewing gum in Thailand. You get caned in the public square. Go right down to L.A., get down in there, and get down, get down, get down. Just cane the shit out of those people. Fuck them up. Have a good time. Drink time. Hold on. You know, some people are, are like, you should have a beer an hour. That's the appropriate response. I don't know why that's the appropriate response, but some for some it is. So, Raymond, you're a real piece of shit. I'm glad you're in jail. Hopefully you got the death penalty. Now we got a dynamic duo. We got a couple of buddies that decided to go out there and just start some fires. Jason Robert Burke and Daniel George McAllister. Uh, those are, you know, you got Daniel George and you got Jason Robert. You got two first names. Never good. 
Fairly recent arson case involving 10 church fires in East Texas has two young men behind bars. Jason Robert and Daniel George were charged with one count felony arson for the burning of a rural Smith County church near Tyler, Texas. The two men were arrested in connection to one of the 10 church fires, which DNA evidence linked one of the suspects to the fire. If convicted, the men could face life in prison. How the fuck is your DNA evidence living? How, once again, how bad are you at fires? Where are you doing with this fire? Do you not just do you put the gas everywhere? The, 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 the fire kills the DNA? Do they have some super DNA gun? I mean, you guys are horrible at this. Horrible. And I'm glad you're horrible at it, don't get me wrong, but seriously, stop the nonsense. All right, now we have Benjamin Christensen. Benjamin Christensen, a former white, a former White's Crossing, a former White's Crossing? Pennsylvania volunteer firefighter is responsible, boy, I cannot read, for setting seven fires that destroyed buildings, homes, businesses, and even landmarks from 2007 to 2008. He was said to have set the fires out of boredom and anger. Couldn't find anything else to do. This is 2008. This is when porn is free online. It's free and it's online. And you're bored. If you're bored and you're a young man and you just can't just get some internet and just go jerk off somewhere, but instead you've got to light some fires, you've got a bigger problem. You've got a, you've got a mental health issue that you have to address. That's for sure, right? He, um, you know, uh, Christensen's case marks one of the largest multi-agency arson investigations in history. In a 2009 hearing, Christensen pleaded no contest in which he faces 20 years in state prison and 20 years of probation. That's it. He didn't kill anyone. Good for him. He was just bored. He's not a murderer. He didn't steal any money, right? He didn't, steal, he didn't kill anyone, didn't steal any money. So even though it's one of the largest multi-agency arson investigations, one of the largest, guess what? He didn't steal any money. He didn't kill anybody. 20 years. That's it. We've got a full life at him. Now, number 10, here's, now get ready to get your mind blown. Just, just, boom, get ready to get your mind blown because you are not, you do not see this name coming. When I read this to you, you are going to lose your mind. You're not going to be like, what the heck? Who could this be? That's right. So firelineschool.com has this person at number 10. Firelineschool.com is where I got this list. And this is number 10. David Berkowitz. Now, if that name rings a bell, and it should ring a bell, David motherfucking Berkowitz, also known as Son of Sam, a serial killer responsible for killing six people and injuring several others in New York City from 76 to 77. This is the guy who claimed that when he was, um, when he was killing people, that the dog, his, that the neighbor's dog was possessed by the devil. And that that possessed dog told him who to kill. In fact, drove him crazy and drove him to killing, right? So this was, that was Berkowitz's thing. Berkowitz is most infamously remembered for murdering women, but his destructive behavior first began by setting fires throughout the city. His arson spree involved, in this special fucked up human being, this is a really special person who's not only a murderer, but also an arsonist. I mean, this is a special cup of tea of fucked up DNA, just 
the mixer went crazy on this guy, right? I mean, he's he's broken in 19 different directions. Mom failed him, dad failed him, psychologists failed him, school failed him, friends failed him, family failed him, society in general failed him, right? In some way, we, we gotta take ownership of this because when you're murdering women and you're also setting fires, you know, he's involved in setting hundreds of fires to buildings in an attempt to vent his anger. That's how he takes his anger out is, you know, you couldn't get him in a boxing class. Jeez, I mean, that's what Tyson did. One of the first fires Berkowitz set was outside of Craig Glassman's apartment door in which firemen found 22 caliber shells in the ashes that didn't get hot enough to get set off. Glassman lived directly under Berkowitz and was a recipient of his hate mail, which was a major link in connecting the letters and murders of the son of Sam to Berkowitz. Bam. Get the fuck out of here, folks. Seriously, are you kidding me? Son of Sam, serial killer extraordinaire, and I don't mean extraordinaire in a positive way, just serial killer craziness. And then also, what else? Yeah, arsonist. Arsonist and serial killer. You've got to be kidding me. That's just, I mean, that. I saw that and it blew my mind. That's a, that is such a special mental fuck. Right? I mean, you're just, you're, you're just, you're so broken and you're angry and you're, and I also don't understand the anger of lighting fires, right? I can understand the anger and then putting fires out, the anger of going to the gym, the anger of punching something, the anger of breaking something. You know, I was trying to get a screen door off. It wasn't working. I kicked it right off the hinges. Like a ninja. Angry. A little bit angry, right? You know, maybe you're hammering something and it hits your finger and you, ah, you slam the hammer down or throw it, right? I understand that. But lighting a fire? Like, I don't understand where the anger release comes from that. I mean, next time I'm angry, I mean, I'm not going to try this. I don't want to light a match and become an arsonist all of a sudden. But it's just, it's, it's absolute craziness. Absolute fucking craziness. Hold on a sec. Let's have another drink because I'm talking fast and loud and crazy. El Chigon IPA, four corners every day. I'll tell you what, this should be a singer. Who's got a contact for the voice? Uno momento, por favor. El oso de Chico de Madrigal. Yeah, yeah. Roll my R's. Pretty fancy, the way I talk. Not going to lie. Not going to lie how fancy I am the way I talk. And they're investigating another fire. They've got a serial arsonist out there. What we know that they don't know, he's just doing it to do it because he's a terrorizer because he's going out there to terrorize people. He's trying to move, like I said, weapons out of Chicago. Makes zero fucking sense. And while we're waiting for them to find out exactly what happened and why it happened, let's, uh, let's look at 10 of the deadliest fires. So I also Googled 10, top 10, Z.net gave me these 10. Top 10 Z, so top 10, the letter Z, dot net. Which means top 10s, top 10 Z, top 10s, dot com was taken. So they had to go to dot net, which is crazy, right? So I'm going to, I feel like I'm, I'm like half crazy and then uh, stealing stuff from half the dollop. And then uh, there's there's other parts, you know, of conspiracy and in the beautiful tinfoil hat. I mean, all these people influence how, how you see, react and do stuff. Right. And then you think about 
conversations, you know, before I do a, a podcast, I always listen to one of Letterman's, um, you know, this guest needs no introduction off of Netflix, right? Or I, or I listen to Rogan because the way that they interview and talk and they exchange and perform and push ideas and everything else is absolutely fascinating. So um, there's there's always these 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 beautiful influences of, of great podcasts that move you along. So I did big shout outs to Rogan, big shout outs to The Dollop, big shout outs to Sam Tripoli and Tinfoil Hat. You know, all of them go, go, go check them out. Have some fun. All right. So here we go. Number 10, Boston, 1872. That was the last year they won a, um, a pennant. Kidding. They won some more cents. Easy. Well, not as large a fire as the Chicago one in Chicago the year before, or the fire that was to ravage San Francisco just over three decades later, Boston's fire was arguably the most expensive in terms of property damage of an American fire. This was largely due to the fact that most of the damage was confined to the city's downtown areas and financial districts, resulting in thousands of Bostonians losing their jobs and hundreds of businesses being destroyed. In fact, it was so expensive, a fire that dozens of insurance companies went bankrupt trying to pay out damages. That's right. Think about that when you're doing your next premium or you're talking to the boss and you've got your next premium coming out, right? Think about it. Think about that noise real quick that they went bankrupt trying to pay out premiums because they don't know how to hold their money, son. They have no idea. Unfortunately, the fire... Might never have, have done so much damage had, had not the city's overworked fire department not been burdened with everything from locked fire alarm boxes to low water pressure and non-standardized fire hydrant couplings. In the end, this comedy of errors resulted in 65 acres of downtown Boston, including 776 buildings and 20 people being turned into charred cinders, making it one of the most devastating fires on the East Coast. Whew. Now, number nine and number eight, we're going back to back and we're going to stay with tea and crumpets. And we're, hello, governor. We're going to London. Number nine, London and number eight, London. But let's start at number nine. It's best. Much less well-known than the later fair of 1666. Well, there's the devil's number right there. If any of you will, we'll get into that. I'll save that for number eight. The fire that, you know, London in 1212, also known as the Great Fire of Southwark, was far more deadly, leaving as many 3,000 people dead, many of whom died when trapped and engulfed London Bridge. Yes, there really was a London Bridge, and it did go burning down. Well, exact figures on the numbers of buildings destroyed may never be known. They'll never be known. Don't say may. They'll never be known. The fire, unless we're doing time travel, the fire gutted much of the areas south of the Thames, known as Southwark, leaving about a third of the old city in ruins. Of course, this wasn't the first fire to ravage London's during its history. As parts of the city burned in 1130 and again 1135, the latter fire destroying most of the city between St. Paul's and St. Clement Danes in Westminster. In fact, the great city was to burn at least a half a dozen times between 1130 and 1666, making it one of the greatest tinderboxes on the planet. Don't live in London. And they guess what? They don't even have Santa and Devil winds. They don't have the Santa and the Devil winds. Not at all. So what is the Great Fire? 
What is the amazing fire that also took London that gave them this number eight and number nine spot? That's right, the fire of 1666. 1666, you know there's Christian folk out there going, well, I see the devil's number in there, 666. The Lord saw the time and he saw a London falling away from Jesus himself, falling away from prayers, falling away from reading, falling away from fellowship, falling away from sharing, falling away from caring. And guess what? On the 666 of that, he added one more fire to that tinderbox. And he took that Sodom and Gomorrah on the other side of the pond and he burnt it down to the fucking ground. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What you got for me now, son? Nothing. Or maybe something. I don't know. Let's read here. While England's modern capital has been burned repeatedly, largely due to wooden construction and poor design, <laughs> it's almost like their teeth. Wooden construction and poor design. It was the great inferno of 1666 that's best remembered, mainly because of the impact it had on the dozen on, on the citizens, not only of London, but of all of England. Not only did it turn out to be remarkably non-lethal, by all accounts, only six people died. But the interesting thing about this fire, which apparently started when a maid forgot to douse the fires in the baker's shop, was it actually proved unintentionally beneficial. Some fires do this, right? The area of the city that was most thoroughly destroyed proved to be the filthy slums associated with the Great Plague that had swept through the city the previous summer. A cleansing, a cleansing devil fire. A cleansing devil fire. Are you kidding me? All right? And uh, this effectively cleansed the city. I mean, it just burned out all the ravaged, gross people that didn't bathe. All those people. Uh, they were part of the plague. Guess what they got? They got lit on fire. So now you have to ask yourself. And I now, now let's play a little game, right? Imagine you, you throw out the number. We already went through the Christian response. And then you have the Christian historian that comes in and says, but, you know, I mean, the only people that really died were the uh, ravaged plague people. And that, and that dirty, dirty area caught on fire. So was the 666 a Satan thing? Or was it a God cleansing thing? And do numbers really matter that much? I mean, does it really matter? It's numbers. And you can make numbers do number kind of things, right? It's super fucking crazy what you can do with numbers or not do with numbers. And all, and all we're doing is saying maybe you're putting a little too much importance on a number instead of putting importance on what happened or didn't happen based on the fire, right? How many lives were saved from the, because of this fire? How many? How, how did, did that shorten the life of the plague at all? Did it take a plague and go, oh, you know what? Here's the plague. Guess what? We got a fire. We started a fire. And now that plague is slowed down and it's gone. It's not gone, but it's, it's really, it's, it's been kicked in the ass for sure. You, you have to honestly look at those things. You have to look at the plague and you have to think, all right, in that, in everything, what did we get out of it? Well, we shortened the plague by X, X, Y, Z. That's pretty fucking fantastic, folks, if you think about it. That's a good fire right there. It is a beneficial fire. Not arson, but a beneficial fire. We don't know. I mean, we, we, you, you give, you've got folklore, right, that says, well, I believe a maid did it. I believe it. You know, once again, you got to blame the lady. If there's history, there's two things you know. One, no white guy's ever blamed for history when you read the history books for anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're mildly blamed, but there's not like, oh, yeah, we destroyed cultures. That's what we do. Hey, welcome. 
A, and B, if you can blame a woman for anything or call her a whore or a slut to, de to denounce her piece of who she was in society, we're going to do that. So, you know, there's no, there's no man guy who forgot to put out a fire. Hell no. There's not one man guy who forgot to put out a fire. That does, shit doesn't happen. However, a woman, leave her around an open flame. She might get scared. She, you scatterbrained. I mean, they can't run. Their uterus will fall right out. They can't do high speeds. I mean, they couldn't fly planes. They couldn't drive carriages. They couldn't ride horses the regular way. They had to go side saddle. Heaven forbid. God knows what would happen to those ovaries. They'd probably just bounce in there and pop like like just like little tight water balloons. And if they're on their period, you can't put them outside because that blood attracts bears. And this is all science. So, of course, a woman started that fire because you are forgetful creatures. You have smaller brains than men. And you don't know what you're doing. The fact we even allowed you around an open flame is what is more concerning. But also, your mistake helped stop the plague. So, don't get ahead of yourself and think you stopped the plague. But your innocent little foo-foo was okay. We're not mad at you. We're not going to send you to jail for 20 years with a 20-year probation. Up, oh, some people died, but no money was stolen. So you might get the death penalty, but you, you know, you'd probably forget to show up on court that day. So instead, we're just going to let it all slide. Okay, we're just going to let it all slide. Don't you worry about a thing. And now let's go to number seven, Rome, 64 AD. This is before Pompeii. We talked about Pompeii and my thoughts on Pompeii. We have, yeah, the last podcast. Hold on a second. Uh, all right. So 64 AD. Now, this is the stuff of legend, right? Because we're just, all of this, all this older stuff is the stuff of legend. And it all has to be the stuff of legend because people are writing shit down and other fires happen and you have folklore and ideas and everything else happening. Uh, so frustrating. While its true flames gutted the heart of the capital of the Roman Empire, there is no evidence that the Emperor Nero fiddled while it burned. Well, of course there's no evidence, right? There was also a rumor that persists to this day that Nero had the city put to the torch as part of a plan to clear out choice pieces of real estate upon which he would later build his new palace. But this too, like so much about the hated emperor, is most likely propaganda and bullshit. I added the bullshit. What is known is that, at least according to Roman historian, Tatticus. It spread quickly and burned for five and a half days, leaving 10 of the 14 districts of Rome either completely destroyed or seriously damaged. It also appears that while Nero may not have been responsible for the fire, he did use it as a justification to persecute the local Christian population, who many accused of being responsible for setting the blaze. Wow. That's crazy. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence that he did build one of the grandest palaces upon the ruins, a show of opulence that was led to the downfall a short years later. So you've got to wonder, you know, you're trying to kick off this religion. You're trying to show the power of God. You're trying to show the absolute craziness. I'm trying to pop my neck here, folks, while we're doing this. It hurts so bad. You're trying to, you know... Say, hey, Rome, watch, pay attention, your opulence. What, everything that's happening is wrong. Everything you're doing is wrong. What is going on is, is not good. You've got all these problems, all these issues, all these real world problems happening. And you've got this burgeoning faith. 
you know, and at the time, I'm sure it was called a cult, but a virgining faith that is now, you know, the, the number one, number two faith in the world. It's in the top three, right? You've got Christianity, you've got Muslims, you've got Buddhists. Those are the those are the top three. Those are the those are the big three players. But at the time, right, there's um there's not that. And so how do you get the attention of the Roman government? How do you let them know what they're doing is wrong? How do you, you know, how, how do you kick this party in the pants? And what they figured out as far as a party pants kicking move, maybe was to start the fire. I mean, it's easy to blame a cult that's on a wildfire. And you, you know Christianity today is not a cult, but at that time it was probably considered a cult of some kind, right? So you've got to look at that and go, okay, so what happened? Well, who can we blame? Well, we've been persecuting these people and they're easy to blame. And it's, it's, it's a, I mean, they didn't have Quincy, all right? They didn't have Agatha Christie. They didn't have the gal from Murder, She Wrote. They didn't have Bones, okay? They didn't have all these great detectives. Sherlock Holmes wasn't around yet, right? There's nowhere where you read in the Bible or in Roman history that all of a sudden there's a dude running around who's just a great detective who, who figured things out, who, who busted people with crimes. You know, you know why out of all the crime shows from the greatest lesbian cop show, Cadney and Lacey, to, to Simon and Simon and, and, and the A-Team and every other crime show that's out there, you know what, you know what makes it amazing? You know, you know what they've never done? They've never done one of these prehistory crime shows. You know why? Because prehistory people were dumb as fucking dirt and they were always drunk. And I know I've talked about this a lot and I'm going to keep talking about it because I want you guys to get this, okay? They were drunk because fresh water was hard to get. So it was easier to have water that was boozy because boozy meant clean. And clean in the fact that, I mean, you've got to imagine a world where everybody wakes up with diarrhea, just shitting their pants. There's no real breakfast food. Everyone's hungover. So there's no work getting done before 11 a.m. And on hot days, there's no work really getting done. And if there is any work getting done, that poor slave is getting beaten to death. Just beaten to death. Why? Because your master is hung the fuck over. Why? Because all he did was drink wine all night long. Your teeth have got to be fucked. Two ways to choose. Your breath is awful. You're throwing up. I'm glad you're eating clean, right? There's, there's no... MSG, there's there's no sugar, refined sugar, there's no carbs really. It's just meat and berries and booze. Meat, berries, booze. Being an ACL this year, it's gonna be a great band. But you got meat, berries, and booze going on. And for what? Oh, because that's all they had. There was no beer yet, there wasn't any beer. So you had wine, right? You just had wine. You had berry, berries, and you had meat. Oh, goodness and that berries those are part of the wine so you can't eat all the berries you gotta make sure you're making wine or some sort of weird booze so fucked up just so nasty hold on got a drink so you know it's got that's a tough world that's a tough world they're living in for a lot of reasons now when there is beer there are still fires and one of those is our friends in chicago Back to Chicago. How does he do this all the time? Well, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> I do my homework, you fuckers. Okay, so here we go. Back where we're at. Chicago, 1871. 
Probably a few infernos have been as famous as the Chicago of, in October of 1871, leaving 17,000 structures burned and 90,000 people homeless. It spread slowly enough that fewer than 300 died in the flames, but that's of little consolation of those who are forced to face a cold Midwestern winter without shelter as a result. While there is no doubt that the fire started in a barn on the O'Leary property at 137 DeCoven Street, there is no evidence it was caused by a poor... Whose cow? Whose cow? A poor woman's cow kicking over the lantern. We already talked about this, ladies. All right, you're not allowed flames. Shouldn't be around farm animals either because look at what problems you cause. You just don't understand things. The story was made up by a newspaper reporter who later admitted he did so because he thought it made for a more colorful copy. Oh, goodness, blaming a lady and her cow. Moo, moo, moo. In any case, like the London fire of 1666, hello, just about dropped my iPad there, the fire paved the way for a new and improved Chicago to rise from the ashes like a phoenix that would, within a few short decades, make it, make it one of the great metropolises that it is today, minus the gunfire, the violence, the drugs, and everything else that makes Chicago a shithole. It also led to much-needed firefighters' reforms that would one day make Chicago's fire department one of the best in the country and the template by which other cities would build their fire departments. Huh, not bad work for one bad bovine or lady. Who knows? And hence, this also inspired the movie Backdraft. One and two. <laughs> there we go. We got Backdraft 1 back in. We got Backdraft 2, the movie we're watching. And we got Chicago all in one story. Suck, oh back, oh dicks. Who's here to party? I'm here to party. That's who's here to party. That's right. San Francisco, 1906. Why is this important? Well, it's super important because that fire was part of an earthquake that burned 25,000 buildings, 490 city blocks, 3,000 dead, and both man-made and natural. Natural and the fact the fire was a byproduct of earthquake, as I just said, Right? I mean, just do this. Of course, I mean, the fact that the earthquake is one of the largest in American history, destroyed the water mains, didn't help. But the even bigger problem was that the city was in serious straits prior to the earthquake and the fire results of a, of a corrupt and unresponsive city government that diverted money intended for emergencies to other projects. They are probably still dealing with the whole crazy homeless issue in San Francisco back in that time, right? And, uh, and that, that led to, well, that fire. I mean, listen... You've got to figure out the infrastructure. You know, one of the things when it comes to infrastructure, which I find fascinating, is at what point do we tell that there's a city, there's a tipping point, right? So I know you've got all these, these wonderful companies up in San Francisco, but let's say you created tipping points where it didn't matter how much, you could take 90% of their taxes, but you couldn't build the roads fast enough, you couldn't pave the roads, you couldn't hire enough police, you couldn't hire enough firemen, you couldn't hire enough city workers, to maintain the wear down, the beat down that all these people coming in gave. And San Francisco literally, I believe, has that problem, as does L.A., as does many other large cities. So then what do you do? Well, imagine if you put a cap on cities. You said, you know what, actually, you can't move here. And you told a Google, you told a Microsoft, you, uh, you told a, a Hollywood, you said, hey, you guys, listen, uh, we, have, we have something else we have to do here. And what we're going to do is... You're going to have to move your company somewhere else. 
Now, I know land of the free, home of the brave, Jason. This is in a communist country. You've got to figure something out. What are you doing? What's going on? But seriously, you've got to look at this very honestly, and you have to ask yourself a hard question. And that hard question is, is do you want to overrun a city or do you want to grow other areas? Because imagine if you just moved Google and all those smart people. I know San Francisco's amazing, but what if you moved it to, I don't know, Oklahoma? Des Moines, Jasper, Casper, Wyoming, Jasper, Wyoming, Casper, Wyoming, Helena, Montana, Elko, Nevada. There's lots of places that it could go. Lots of places. Hey, before we get into the top four fires uh, of all of mankind that's recorded that we know of, Pompeii, that's a fire, right? I don't know. Um, we can, we'll just jump back into backdraft here really quick. His stray dog, his new dog, has told McAfee here, McAfee, that um, there's a bomb under the bed, like Lassie, like his great, great uncle Lassie. Let me tell you, there's a bomb under the bed. So all he's trying to do is get his girlfriend out of the bed. All right, let's get out of the bed because it's, it's a pressure sensitive. So get out of the bed and you got to go call the police because I have a bed under my bed that's right there's a bed under the bed now get out of here and call the police and i can't believe she's not running let me tell you something right now and not that i am or i am or i'm not a hero this is inconsequential but i will say if i'm with someone and there's a bomb under their bed and they go listen there's a bomb under the bed you got to get out as slowly and quickly as you can and uh, as you get when you get out what i need you to do now go run get the fuck out of here and call call the fire department or the bomb squad. I'm not also, I'm not calling the fire department. I'm calling the bomb squad. Because I'm a bomb squad person because it's a bomb. Hold on. I'm getting it, but who does she call? She calls the fire department. Fucking crazy. Why are you calling the fire department? It's a bomb. There's a bomb squad for a bomb. There's a fire department for a fire. There's a police department for the policing of people to protect and serve. They're all arms of, 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 our, of our system that give back. There's no bomb squad love in Backdraft 2. In fact, all there is is just, oh, just Im improper use of fire department funds. Improper use. And who comes in to rescue him? If you believe it's beautiful Billy, Billy Baldwin, William Baldwin, you are correct. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. His uncle's here and he's like, hey man, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to do some work downstairs. We're going to get this bomb done and you're going to be safe. I'm not losing another family member. How dare you? He's like, get out of here. I think I said another timer off. It's going to blow. He's like, nope. I'm going to go, I'm going to go work some magic. And I love this go between. And what does he find in the kitchen? I don't know what you find in your kitchen, but he's got a hammer in his. It's a way he lives in a fucking weird warehouse. He lives in a weird warehouse with shitty, I mean, any woman who comes and sees his, he's got this huge warehouse. It's this open vault kind of area, and then he's got this door that closes off this tiny shit little kitchen. It's absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. He's got, he's just yelling down to Billy Baldwin, get out. He sees the pipe. There's the broken pipe that the, I don't know how the guy got up there to get that pipe to, to break it up without, without doing any damage, but um, our arsonist did it, and then shh, there it is. See ya, Billy. Ka-fucking-boom. This is the ride of your lifetime. The bed explodes out. So it explodes at the floor below and then also explodes up, shooting him 
into the ceiling, right into the fucking ceiling. Boom! Hit your head, bring you back down. Just fucked up, but Billy Baldwin cooked, cooked, cooked goose. 100% a cooked goose. Damn, son, that is rough. Oh, I need one more beer to close out this movie, and here it is. And sometimes you got to close them out light, right? You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it light. So, you know, uh, we got the Dick Man. He does the Dick Man special. I mean, I'm not doing anything that crazy. I'm just going nice Miller Lite. Just cleanse the palate. A carbonated water, right? A um, a, a very nice O'Doul's that does push-ups and O'Doul's that can actually run a marathon. A Miller Lite. Listen, of all the beers, and I've you know. I've, I drink them all. You gotta, I, I gotta rank them over our light beers real quick. Okay, you gotta go one for me personally, Miller Lite. There's your A. B, solid strong B, is uh, is is Bud Light, and it's in the name, Bud Light. And your C is Coors Light. Coors. Now some people be like, it's Anheuser Busch, bro. Hey, no, 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 no. That's not how I do. It. All right, uh, Miller Lite's number one. And it's just, it's lighter, it's crisp, it's refreshing. It's got, it's got this whole thing to it. It's amazing. Uh, Bud Light, it, I, I don't know how it's changed without the corn syrup. Maybe it's gotten better, but you know, you got to go. So you got to Miller Light, Bud Light, and then Coors Light is just, man, Coors Light, it'll wreck your stomach, bro. And I got some friends who love Coors Light. And then you can go down the list, you go Paps with Ribbon. Um, I like a nice Lowenbrow. I like Molson Ice. You find a Molson Ice, you grab yourself a six pack of Molson Ice, you get that nice and cold. Molson Ice is fantastic. I don't even know where to get Molson Ice anymore, but I'll tell you what, that Molson Ice will change your day in a good way, in a very good way. And, you know, you've got, you've got some, you have Coors Original. I'll do a Coors Original on tap in a bar that has wood in it somewhere because there's something about that essence of Coors Original that just, that just eva the, the smell evaporates and just gets sucked in by that old dead dry wood of a bar. It's Fan-fucking-tastic. Absolutely amazing. I don't drink Budweiser straight. I don't drink the real Budweiser. I, you know, I mean, I just don't. You put Coors in there, though. You got Paps Ribbon. Uh, you've got Miller MGD. Remember Miller Genuine Draft? You sick fucks. Yeah, that's still around. Why are we on this tangent? Because it's a crazy tangent. And the crazy tangent goes with the crazy time where our lead character, our, our, our Bull Jr., is talking with Donald Sutherland, who's just crazy. And he's trying to get him to admit, he's like, dude, you love fires as much as I do. Now let's figure out this fire thing together. Let me show you, let me talk to you about the crazy people that came to talk to me about how to start fires. And I'm going to show you the terrorizers are. And then when you figure that part out, then we can all stop the terrorists together. This is the way the world works. Hold on, drink a Miller Lite. Got to clean the palate. It's a strong, strong palate cleanse as is everything else. So let's let's run down the rest of these the rest of these um fires here as well. Well, we're, well Donald Sutherland and crew talk about what it's like to be crazy and he just looks batshit crazy and smiles so weird with his big eyebrows. We have Peshitoga, Wisconsin, 1871. While many people have heard about the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, few people are aware of the second fire that was taking place at the same time right near Green Bay. I don't know if it's near Green Bay or not. I don't give a fuck. 
uh, in Wisconsin. This fire would be responsible for more deaths by, by a fire than any other in U.S. history. How many would die in the fire that was to scorch? How many died? Well, 2,500. 2,500 people died in this fire. Hardest hit was the town of Peshitoga. Uh, most of the population, 1,700, died in the flames, with many of their bodies never recovered, so we actually don't know if they died. Surviving witnesses reported the firestorm generated a tornado that threw rail cars hundreds of feet and flung entire houses into the air. Makes O'Leary's cow look... Once again, they're still blaming this lady. Hey, lady, you cannot get a fucking break on any of this, right? They're like, makes Mrs. O'Leary's cow look like a damn comparison, huh, guys? Huh? Nickel, nickel, shovel, shovel, nudge, nudge, watch, watch. What do you want to do now? It was a dick move. Just still blaming the ladies. Oh, it's just, it's so crazy. I mean, good job on all of this, um, top10s.net. But seriously, stop your nonsense. All right. Number two, number three is Texas... Texas City, Texas. These are original people. These are original mayors and original people that name these names. It's like West Virginia, South Dakota, all right? New Mexico, okay? It's shit names. Texas City, Texas. Like, uh, what should we name our town? I don't know. Where are we? Texas. Can we name it Texas, Texas? No. Texas Town, Texas? What if we get bigger? Hmm. Texas... Uh, subdivision, Texas? Texas County, Texas. No, that's a county. We're, we're not a county. We're a city. Bingo. Got it. Texas City, Texas. Winner, winner. Write it down. I'm going to forget. I'm drunk, remember? This is, the, this is not 1972 when they were drinking water. This is, this, is, this is later than that, earlier than that. This is 1947. We're still all drunk. We're drinking beer and whiskey. And, and wine, and wine's horrible, whiskey's good, there's some vodka or a gin, I assume, and there's beer everywhere. Prohibition be damned. Fuck prohibition! <laughs> Except for Texas. The only, we're free state, but you can't buy booze on Sundays, you can't do this, you can't do this, then there's a laundry list of shit you can't do because of blue-collar laws, and there's dry counties and damp counties and wet counties and all this other bullshit. But we're a free state. You can do whatever you want, as long as you don't do any of these things or touch marijuana, which if you have any touching of marijuana, it's 50 years in prison. Other than that, have fun, man. Don't be a drug trafficker. Don't drink on Sundays. Uh, don't drink in dry counties. Don't try to transport booze in wet in damp counties. And if you're in a wet county, remember, you can't drink on Sundays. And uh, I'm sure there's a plethora. Well, there's a plethora of other rules that make that all happen. So, good job, Texas. Let's read about your fire now. Mm -hmm. a little palate cleanser there. And here we go. Would you think that a small fire in the hold of a docked freighter would cause such a problem? No one. Unless, of course, the freighter was carrying 2,300 tons of amino nitrous fertilizer. Uh-oh, that's what a bomb is, folks. Oklahoma City? Yeah, there you go. This resulted in being the largest industrial explosion in U.S. history. Only in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Woo! They'd celebrate this here. Trust me, in Texas, they'd be like, yeah, big bombs, Texas. What, what? In the butt. Here we go. Boom. The blast was so massive that it resulted from the fertilizer explosion that it leveled a thousand buildings and left 600 people dead or missing, including the entire Texas City Volunteer Fire Department, which was on the freighter when it exploded. 
it killed this explosion and this attack, this dumbness killed the whole fire department. It also started a chain reaction among various refineries and chemical plants along the dockyard that added to the carnage and left the entire dockyard and much of the surrounding city gutted. How big was the explosion? Well, like an earthquake, people felt the shockwave 250 miles away in New Orleans. While windows 40 miles away in Houston were shattered, it even knocked a sightseeing airplane out of the sky and hurled one of the ship's anchors about the only part of the freighter still identifiable afterwards, a mile through the air. Ooh, a mile through the air. So if you're a dock worker or a firefighter on that day, that is a shit day. We're going international for these last two. I don't know how these last two are going to beat out Texas City, Texas, when you have the largest explosion ever, but let's just, let's go. Uh, we're going Nova Scotia, Halifax, Nova Scotia, 1917. Most people have never heard of this event, largely because it occurred during wartime, and so, so it was largely kept out of the press by wartime censors. But Halifax Harbor, Nova Scotia, was the scene of the world's largest man-made accidental explosion in history. Larger than Texas City, Texas. It all began on the morning of December 6, 1917, when the cargo ship Montblanc, sounds like a cologne or a nice booze, loaded to the gills with ammunition bound for the war in Europe, collided with a Norwegian freighter in the narrow confines of the Halifax Harbor and caught fire. Before the flames could be brought under control, they torched the highly volatile ammunition, resulting in an explosion that was so powerful, three kilotons of TNT, it caused a tsunami in the harbor and the pressure of the wave of the air snapped trees, bent iron rails, demolished buildings, grounded vessels, carried fragments of the Montblanc for miles in every direction. To make matters worse, the next day a blizzard hit the city that hampered efforts to rescue people from the collapsed homes, further adding to the death toll, which eventually climbed to 2,000 people. It also left 9,000 people injured and much of the city in ruins, leaving Halifax Harbor unsaleable as a port for many, many years after. And number one, Tokyo, Japan, 1923. Much like San Francisco, 17 years earlier, the city of Tokyo was both leveled by a massive earthquake and ravaged by fire that swept through the rumble yard. Da, 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 da. The death toll that some estimate as high as 142,000, with the single greatest loss of life occurring when approximately 38,000 people packed into an open space in downtown Tokyo were incinerated by a firestorm. Holy shit. 140,000 people dead, 38,001 firestorm-induced fire world. What made this disaster so unique was how it combined a number of factors. Ooh, here we go. Earthquake struck at lunchtime when many people were cooking, resulting in numerous fires breaking out throughout the city, which spread rapidly as a result of the high winds from the nearby typhoon off the coast, some of which developed into firestorms which swept across the city, Furthering, further, the quake created a tsunami, which added to the death toll and the destruction resulting in, the, in, the, in the 570,000 homes, leaving 1.9 million people homeless, giving the day much of the doomsday sort of feel. Not to worry, however, the city was entirely rebuilt just in time to be incinerated by World War II uh, B-29 bombers. So there you go. Thanks for all your work. Uh, good job. Honorable mentions. New York City burned twice. Once in 1776, once in 1835. Amsterdam, 
Mm, getting high in Amsterdam, folks. What's up now? It was uh, 1421 and 1452. Moscow, 1547 and 1812. Copenhagen, 1728. New Orleans, 1788 and 1794. And you thought the hurricanes were their only problem. Well, that is not true. Folks, those are your lists right there. Let's, um, in celebration of Backdraft, Two shitty summer sequels. Let's get back to it. So our hero has found the terrorizers. He's found the terrorizers. He has, uh, in the great words of the Goonies, he has booby trapped them up. And now he's trying to stop a truck. Uh, he stopped a fire from happening. And now he's stopping a truck that he believes has the missiles on it. Right? And they are waiting for a fire so they can get their missiles. The terrorizers get the missiles out. And here we go. Here comes the last great gun. And this is interesting, right? Because once again, we, 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 we talked about this. I talked about this, right? Why does an arson investigator have a gun? Why is this arson investigator, why is he, uh, why is he trying to arrest two people? If he knows what's happening and he knows what's in that truck, why wouldn't he call his friends or anyone at the police department or anyone anywhere else? Instead, he's had his fire arson person uh, his, his little trainee, she's been following him. And here she comes up. He's like, wait, oh, she just got shot by someone. Not good. Never, ever good. One of the terrorists lives. One of the terrorists is dead. He been, he's been shot with, looks like in the hip or maybe in the gut. Lower left gut, he's spitting up blood. Oh, it's not looking good for him at all. And uh, his partner got shot in the shoulder and she's passed out from the pain. I'm not saying that as, as a woman, she's weak. I'm just saying that she she got clipped by a bullet. She's passed out and he doesn't know if she's dead. He's been shot in the stomach and he's still able to carry on a conversation and sit up. Now, I mean, if you've tried to even just sit up a little bit after doing, you know, four or five sit-ups, you know, you know how excruciating that pain can be when your muscles are sore. Oh, and the guy, no, it's right in his gut. That's where Brandon Lee died. Didn't Brandon Lee die by getting shot in the gut and they're gonna make this guy get up and walk around? He's spitting up blood. They're going to go to the back of the terrorizer's truck. Let's see if he makes it. Oh, he's just spitting blood. None of this is good. None of this is good for our hero. We, oh, just coughing up the blood, just spitting it out. Oh, good Lord. Thrown into the side of the truck, gut first. He's like, whatever you do, do not get in the back of this truck. You stay there. I've got to figure out what the fuck's going on with all my missiles that are going to leave Chicago. What could this possibly be? What could possibly happen? Three, two, one. Ba -ba -ba. A missile, a missile fires out of the back of the truck. <laughs> he hooked up a missile to fire out of the back of the truck. He just he hooked up a missile. <laughs> <laughs> he just cooked the guy. You just look at the guy. He's like, why? <laughs> His teeth are still there. He's smoldering. And now all of the missiles and all of the bad stuff is blowing up in the back. And, and now the vehicle is blowing up and both guys are burned to death. So all the evidence is now gone. <laughs> the missile that burned the guy's face off and everything else is gone. Ladies and gentlemen, we have solved a crime. We have destroyed the evidence that solved the crime. 
But that fire, you know what it is. And what does he do? He looks at the fire and he goes, it's so beautiful. Look at the way it dances. Look at the way it moves. That's Backdraft 2 party, people. Guess what's more exciting than Backdraft 2? History about fires. Hit crazy history about arsonists. The idea that David Berkowitz was an arsonist is absolutely positively fucking nuts. Reading firehouse.com and understanding what's going on in the world of firemen and how they view everything, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's, that's the enjoyment here. That's the real fun because let's be really honest here. Backdraft 2. Stop your nonsense. You stop your nonsense right now. You're a horrible fucking movie. With the late, should have left it alone at Backdraft. I'm glad now that we're not only firefighters, we're stopping terrorists. Good for you. That's fucking exciting. But seriously, you stop your nonsense, okay? Should never been made. But you were made, so you made the summer. You made shitty summer sequels, is what you did. So you, you made the list. Good for you guys. Quality, quality play. And uh, now it's it's time for us to say goodbye because the movie's over. It's all done. The terrorists have been stopped. The firefighters have done it all. They've, they've, they've figured out the crime. They've figured out the fire. They've, they've stopped it. They've, they've shot. They've done everything. They've taken the role of nine different people in nine different places and put it into two people and done it all. I mean, they are ATF. They are fire. They are police. They are CIA. They are NSA. They're the anti-terrorist squad. They're even the TSA. All right? They stopped them from getting on planes and boats and everything else. Good for them. So with that said, here comes your favorite part of the time, your favorite moment. My daughter sings about the first time she took a shit. You guys enjoy. I love you very much, and thanks for your support. Talk to you soon. Bye.